Can you say something into the mic really quick? Yeah, this was super racist. Stop, we haven't started yet. One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Hello. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms realize that maybe that dinner of two ho-hos smuggled into the pantry and eaten in the dark while hiding from roving bands of chocolate crazy demons was not the smartest choice. I'm Katie. I'm Deborah. And I have only one chocolate craving demon. His name is Jay. He is two years old. And I have twins who are four and a half and a seven and a half year old. So anything two-year-old cute this week? Last weekend, or I guess two weekends ago now, we took a little staycation to um, a nearby town in Texas and stayed at a hotel with my sister and brother-in-law and their daughter who is around Jay's age and really just the adorableness of getting two toddlers together and the fact that they can be entertained for literally hours by just staring at one another spinning in a circle falling on their butts and cracking up hours that's awesome (laughs) I mean I'm sure you experienced a lot of that having twins I did, yeah. <laughs> I was lucky. But it's a novelty to me. <laughs> yeah, two toddlers are cute. How about you? I had to take uh, my four-year-old Nate to the doctor on his own last week. And he is a huge talker. And so he was talking the doctor's ear off. And she said, wow, you're really smart, aren't you? And he said, yes, I'm not daft at all. <laughs> And just used it to demonstrate his his advanced vocabulary. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? Nutraventures. Oh, muster up a little more enthusiasm. Once more with feeling. (laughs) Nutraventures. Today we are talking about Nutraventures, the quest for the seven kingdoms. All right, let me see if I can summarize this show because... Again, there's a lot going on. So it's set in a world where there is no food and everyone just eats this gross supplement called Gen X 100. And one boy discovers that he's the chosen hero destined to rediscover the power of real foods by traveling to the seven food kingdoms with his friends and sister. And I think... I think their ultimate plan is to bring these real foods back to wherever it is that they live. But to be honest, that is really unclear from watching the three episodes that we watched. All right. So I did a little little bit of background digging and uh, I found that the show actually originated in Portugal and it airs in the U.S. via Hulu. So that's how we're watching it. And it is a project of a company called NutraVentures Corporation, which sounds ominous. But according to their mission statement, their mission is to change children's eating habits worldwide through entertainment. And they have distributed NutraVentures to 20 countries, which I think is kind of impressive. And they, I checked out their website and they have tons of games and other like supplementary materials for parents. So there's a whole world there. Anyway, we'll, fo- we'll focus on the content. Why did we pick this? Well, to be honest, sometimes I just scroll through Hulu or Amazon or whatever, and I look for whatever seems weirdest, and this seems super weird. Mm-hmm. And Deborah didn't immediately say no when I suggested it. 
And all... I believe I got a text message that said, this looks awful. Let's watch it <laughs> <laughs> with a link. And I said, sure. Yeah, that sounds, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so what did we watch? As usual, we watched the pilot, season one, episode one, which was called Little Big Hero. We watched season two, episode two, Red Alert, and season three, episode four, Turbo Turbo Bang Bang, which I know already was definitely Deborah's favorite. Uh, so we'll just quickly go through the episodes one by one very brief summary and talk about what we thought so season one episode one was titled the little big hero and we're introduced to Grandland, the city where alex grand uh produces gen x 100 and that's the only available nutrition source and these kids, Theo, Lena, Ben, and Nina go on like a field trip to the factory and they discover that these like big, scary green guys are eating real food and they don't know what it is. And so they try some bread and they steal some bread and they kind of sneak all over the factory and try to find stuff out. And Theo shows his grandpa the bread. Um, and then that it's like an introduction to the whole conceit. What did you think? I, this first episode, I didn't think it was so bad. And I watched it with my seven-year-old. He thought it was like alternately awesome and too scary. Oh, really? He is easily scared by shows though. I, I thought it was a good concept and especially if you like follow any sort of food politics and economics like I don't know you could make parallels to like Monsanto or you know the companies that like dominate the food mm-hmm. industry mm-hmm. or the agriculture industry so I thought it was interesting from that perspective as a kids show though I was like not super impressed <laughs> I thought it worked fine as a setup. It wasn't like a full pilot. It didn't like fully set up the world. I imagine you would have to watch one or two subsequent episodes to really understand or see them get going on their quest. Um, Mm -hmm. But as a setup, I didn't think it was terrible. I did think it was weird that they started with bread as like the magic food that gives them superpowers. I would have thought like... I mean, to go with the obvious, I would have thought like spinach, you know, like something that really needs a boost from a cartoon mm-hmm. to get kids to eat it. I don't yeah. think any kids are really turning up their noses at bread. Um, but yeah, they that... were kind of they were slightly accurate. I thought about the food source of your energy because they talked about bread giving you energy and like it is a simple carbohydrate. So it does make you feel energized and then they talked about like late another episode like turkey gives you energy for your muscles and so I I don't know you're right there probably was that degree of thought behind it you're right because they they put a lot of work into this like I said Mm -hmm. they have an important mission so I shouldn't quibble with the bread stylistically it's almost supposed to look like anime but it doesn't quite get to that point yeah it's not quite stylized like that but it is similarly jerky and 
and they have that really specific sound style where every single movement has an accompanying sound effect. I don't know. My thoughts are all over the place about this pilot, but... Well, and I was going to criticize the acting and dialogue until I realized that it was dubbed. Because it's a, it's a show that was in Portuguese to begin with, but the it's dubbed into English. So that made me forgive the poor dialogue a little bit more. That's true. After I found that out. So I'm not sure if that's worth commenting on. But, I mean, we forgive the poor dialogue in those situations because we're compensated by, like, artful framing and interesting yeah. plot. And in this case, we weren't necessarily <laughs> given either of those to distract us. Um, I don't know. Should we just move on to the second episode? Yeah. And I will say that this is, like, we've watched a lot of... Um, procedural shows I guess where a kid can tune in and watch really any episode and kind of know what to expect and this was I don't know the most serial show we've watched where I I think you really do have to watch like every episode in order to really understand yes even coming in as adults to later seasons it was very unclear Mm -hmm. um I agree it is by far the most heavily serialized things Thing that we have watched so far so that being said we jumped right to season two episode two which is called red alert and, and just a note like we usually just this is how we always do it we just always yeah you're you randomize the picks yes for, i ask google for random numbers yeah. and that's how we pick the next two episodes that we watch so we did that here not knowing we didn't go into this knowing anything about the show or how serialized it would be mm-hmm. so we jumped right into this red alert episode and so the team which is theo and lena and ben and ben no and theo's little sister nina um, they are in the Red Kingdom, which is the kingdom of meat and eggs, which looks like a medieval village. And they have to have a previously on segment because that's how complicated the show is. <laughs> so the previously on segment tells us that evil Alex Grant, he's blackmailing the guardian of the Red Kingdom with a fire breathing dragon that will destroy his kingdom if he doesn't turn the kids over to Alex. So as this episode begins, the kids need to get close to the guardian of the Red Kingdom to learn what he knows about meat and eggs. And Theo figures that the best way to do this is become is to become the knight that will fight the dragon. So Theo, Ben, and Lena enter the Dragon's Fury Challenge with some other competitors. And Theo ultimately wins. So they meet the guardian... But he takes their device called a Nutripad. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, which, side note, the Nutripad is a device that lets them take away fruit food from the various kingdoms, like digitally zap it away, and then reproduce it physically later. Um, and the food gives them superpowers. I don't know if we were really clear on the superpowers before, but yes, food gives them superpowers. The, so the Guardian has them all arrested, and that is where the episode ends. They're all in jail without their pads, so they can't fight back. That was seriously as short as I could make the summary. It was really complicated. You did a good job. That's way more 
thorough than I would have bet, bet than I would have done for that episode. <laughs> um, so my notes say, what about legumes if this is the protein kingdom? Like what? <laughs> Meat and eggs are in their own category, but I don't know. Like on our food pyramid, I thought protein was like all together, but it's been a long time since I've been nutritionally educated. Yeah. It's probably different now. Well, cuz they abandoned the food pyramid in favor of the plate. Uh that is oh, I representative forgot about like that. the different okay. portion sizes. But I don't know what I don't know if there's like a worldwide consensus and maybe like the plate no, is just no, American. No, no, that's like the USD that's like the USDA that yeah. does that. But to be honest, For I us. always thought legumes were on the level of the pyramid with vegetables. Oh, really? Yeah. See, in my head, they're like a protein. Well, yeah, in my adult head with knowledge about such things. (laughs) In my head that is not sponsored by the beef industry. (laughs) Yeah, but it is weirdly specific to have a meat and egg kingdom. And I guess we could have given it some thought to break it down. We know there are seven. And we know one is legumes, one is meat and egg, one has to be like cereals, Mm -hmm. one must be dairy. Do they have like a separate one for seafood? See, to me, that's a protein too, right? Like salmon? But they were so specific about meat and eggs. Shrimp? Oh, yeah. What are their seven kingdoms? This, and I tried to look up stuff about this show, but it, well, I didn't, I I went to that website, like the NutriVentures website, and I... I didn't take the time I could have to explore it. I guess maybe that would, that would maybe break down the seven kingdoms for us. Yeah. We were maybe overwhelmed with content. There is a lot there. Yeah. So just a little plot question. (laughs) Because we are really dumped in here. So Alex Grant, the evil man that banished all food and created this like gross bar that everyone eats. He can just get to the other kingdoms. He's in the Red Kingdom this whole time. Yeah. Why doesn't he just destroy them? (laughs) That's a good question. But, like, what are the ingredients of the Gen X 100? Does he need to farm the kingdoms for the actual ingredients? See, I just assumed it was totally synthetic, but that's a good point. He's got to be exploiting the kingdoms in some way. For a show that's so obsessed with giving you every little detail, I thought it was an interesting thing to overlook. But maybe in the previous 20 episodes or so, they probably explained it. (laughs) Yeah. So each episode definitely isn't a new kingdom. Clearly there are arcs within each kingdom because we arrived and they were already in the Red Kingdom and they hadn't left by the time the episode ends. So this is truly a whole new level of serialization for us. Um, Did you have any thoughts specific to this episode? No, other than, so Genevieve is like secretly the guardian red's daughter and she asks Theo to dance towards the end of the episode and she disses the junior prince for his fried food body odor. I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) You smell like fried foods. (laughs) Um, I thought it was interesting that she was his secret daughter because during the joust scene, she was seated on the dais, like right next to the the, right. the guardian. 
it was clear she was somehow noble. I just assumed she mm-hmm. was his daughter, but whatever. So yeah, season two, episode two. Should we move on to se- season three, episode four? Turbo, turbo, bang, bang. Season three, episode four. So I'm going to preface my summary by saying that after the pilot episode, there's a little preview. So at the end of the pilot episode, there's a little preview for an upcoming episode that shows the Yellow Kingdom and all of the animated characters appear to be badly drawn, stereotypical Asian. And I saw that and I was like, "Mm, I don't know, Nutra Ventures, where are you going with this? So Turbo Turbo Bang Bang starts with some scenes from the previous episode and they show that the heroes are in a kingdom where there's like a Native American versus cowboy discussion going on. Oh, but then... side note, they do not say Native American versus cowboy. It's cowboys versus Indians. <sighs> and and then Theo and Ben are on like a hanging platform with nooses around their neck. And Lena looks on with someone named Johnny the Kid who looks like he was drawn from like a black minstrel show type poster it is really bad and i admit i did not make it through this whole episode because it just made me so worked up so nina gets somebody called guardian brown they're in the legumes kingdom they're in the brown kingdom which is the legumes kingdom yeah um to help theo and ben are accused of helping the Redskins. I'm like having trouble saying all of these things because they are yeah. not things they they are not things that we say. And then Lena is like communing with a Native American lady, and then it turns out her name is Broken Canoe. Mm. Yeah. And so they... the legumes do show up in this episode, but like this portion of this episode that I watched was enough to make me want to write like an internet review and I am a person that does not write reviews for things on the internet I barely comment on like my friends posts on on Facebook and like (laughs) I am gonna make make, like a common sense media profile and I'm gonna write a forewarning like a comment on this because it was terrible yeah it was terrible it was bad Mm mm-hmm Kids should not watch this. Like, I, you know, like, we're not, Katie and I both went to library school. We're librarians by training, and, like, we're not for censorship, but I feel like I would be okay if this is, like, in an archive of a library somewhere, (laughs) but I don't want my, I, I don't know, as a parent, I don't want my kids being able to watch this. I would be interested to know like, what the cultural line is there because to me it felt like something that would have been for parents to show kids in like the late 50s like that right. was the the imagery that we were getting mm-hmm. um, and I know that particularly with Native American culture it's obviously fraught for us here but because other countries don't have that they Mm -hmm. still romanticize very much the stereotypical Native American living in teepees and sending smoke signals and yada 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 and they don't they haven't 
tried to or haven't had to wrestle with any of that cultural sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes me want to like do a lot of reading on the history of Portugal. Yeah, and I think the way it was animated, it would probably be offensive no matter what, but whoever translated it, there was an opportunity for it to be not as bad as it turned out to be. It reminded me of like how uncomfortable you are watching the uh, scenes with Tiger Lily and Peter Pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that is, I mean, this was made in like 2013. Yeah. Peter Pan is, uh, I don't know, there's like historical value to it, I think. And it's a product of its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, in, in a certain way, we can like forgive it and watch it with our kids and say, this is like, you can tell your kids my, I mean, my seven year old would be able to understand like people used to talk this way. Mm-hmm used to think this it's not acceptable now because we are well some of us are so much more educated on these things yeah have you watched peter pan with your kids um i did watch the um oh it was is it md nbc who does like the disney live i don't know we watched like the lot there was like a live broadcast of a theatrical version of it we watched that and it was still a little bit offensive a little bit I think but I've also seen it in at a children's theater and it was not I was not offended by it they figured out a way to change things around yeah interesting I haven't even thought about how I'm gonna have those conversations with Jay um so you didn't even make it through the whole episode (laughs) (laughs) no did you I just got too angry no it was it was really bad like I mean, there was this whole training montage with Lena where she was learning to be a Native American. And so oh, she was like learning every stereotypical thing like smoke signals and how to throw tomahawks and how to wear war paint. And it was very stereotypical. And then also very much like, oh, they need the like white savior to come in and give them the next prophecy, which was problematic on a whole other level. I mean, whatever. We don't even care about the plot that happened. They were in the legume kingdom. They learned about beans. Yeah. Um, Say, going back to Peter Pan, I did take a parenting class several years ago, and one of the moms in the class she was Native American mm-hmm. and that topic came up because people were like what I don't know it's just like a topic topic about like reading to your kids and somebody was like we have this beautiful original edition of Peter Pan and it's really racist towards Native Americans and she was like you should not read that to your children because <laughs> and the kids in that like we were all parents of like three-year-olds so a kid would not be able to take in any sort of historical perspective I mean is there a way to just read it without those chapters like princess bride it and like just cut out the parts that you don't feel are appropriate it's been a long time since I read real Peter Pan and to be honest I think it's kind of dark for kids in general yeah but it does make me sad that kids would miss out on all the great magical elements of it Mm mm-hmm that's tough, but she's right. Because how do you explain to a three-year-old? Yeah, I mean, you can't tell, you can't introduce the vocabulary word "redskins" to a three-year-old. You can to a seven-year-old and say you can't use that word 
that's not okay. Right. A long time ago, people used to use that word and we don't anymore because <laughs> it's hurtful. Wow. We, uh, we went deep, guys. This is getting serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've clearly moved away from the fact that like, this is just a bad and not very good show. <laughs> I'm going to write an internet yeah um so to lighten things up a little bit here's a here's a general thought to chew on so in every episode the team encounters some peril and they need to eat the foods to give them superpowers to fight off that peril like at one point in this episode the bulls were let out and they had to you know corral them and save people blah 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 so they had to really quickly eat garbanzo bean soup and meat (laughs) because the combination of legumes with protein would really give them the sustained energy that they need to uh, wrangle some bulls but they don't eat the food until the dangerous situation is literally happening (laughs) so if the mission of this show is to encourage healthy eating habits in kids, why are we encouraging them to just shovel their food in their mouths to like get the energy as quickly as they can? Isn't right. eating too fast also an element of the ob- obesity problem? Well, nobody wants to eat right before they work out, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got to give it an hour at least. <laughs> Wait, isn't that <laughs> swimming? Well, just like... I don't know. I don't feel very good if I eat right before I work out. Yeah, because you're full. Maybe it's because yeah. you're not eating uh, shish kebab and garbanzo bean soup, which is what they appear to be shoveling. In I could faces. try that. <laughs> I could try that. Garbanzo beans are pretty good. <laughs> um, did you know that I was embarrassingly old by the time I realized that garbanzo beans and chickpeas were the same thing? I had a roommate in college who... I didn't know really either, but she had this recipe and she went to the grocery store and I don't remember if she, I think she was asking for chickpeas and nobody could help her. And she came home without chickpeas. And then like together we figured out that they were the same thing. We didn't know. Life was so much harder when like, it wasn't your first thought to Google it on your phone. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I totally remember coming to that piece of knowledge oh thanks I mean I was older than college I was definitely in grad school by the time I realized but to be fair I never cooked I did not really cook for myself as a young adult so I came to that much later all right should we maybe move on to our more general thoughts about the show sure (laughs) I don't know if you can separate your thoughts from the problematic uh racial issues um yeah well after the pilot episode in which i ignored the yellow kingdom racism mm -hmm. i jotted down a few other movies or shows that i thought it compared to and i think there is a little bit of a comparison to charlie and the chocolate factory because it's like kind of a crazy genius running a food factory and like willy wonka has that gum that's supposed to replace meals oh yeah That's that's right what I thought about initially. What were your thoughts on the more serialized storytelling? Like, did you like that more as a viewer? Because I feel like in my own viewing habits, when I'm not watching things for the podcast, I really prefer more serialized things to 
like your isolated procedurals like CSI or Law and Order. Like I would rather sit down and watch something that rewards me for watching episode after episode. Um, I mean, in this case, in this case, it did not help. <laughs> yeah, I do like um, the current trend in TV, which is to have like seasons that are like eight or ten episodes. I mean, that's more like premium cable type shows that mm-hmm. are that short. I like that just because I'm, I have three kids. I don't have a lot of time. Right. I think they have this idea of making it, to put it plainly, like making some money on the food education angle. And so I, I don't know. I think if they had just set out to write like an interesting hero goes on a quest show it would have been better it was weird like you understood what their wider mission was but they almost didn't do it enough mm-hmm. think about yeah. a show like last week we talked about doc mcstuffins and that is that is a show that low-key teaches you not to be afraid of the doctor but also has an episode by episode plot and it's fine and it's cute and it's engaging Mm-hmm. And you don't need to create this whole epic, complicated structure to effectively teach a lesson. Exactly. Yeah. We talked about Willy Wonka, but was there an adult TV show at all that this reminded you of? Have you watched Nobody's? No. It's a sitcom on TV land, and it's about screenwriters for a kid's show who used to be in a comedy troupe with Melissa McCarthy. How and have Melissa I never McCarthy's, even heard of this show? Because it's on TV land, so it's a little obscure. And these screenwriters are like trying to, like they're, have kind of landed in an abysmal place in Hollywood because they're writing for a show called The Fartigans. <laughs> it's really like a bad kids show it's not even a good kids show and their lives are pretty sad and they're always bugging melissa mccarthy and her husband who are like actual producers of nobody's and they make cameos so they're bugging them with their pet projects and i just think that they could substitute uh nutra ventures for the fartigans and it would serve the same purpose yeah it's a bad show as an adult, are there any TV shows that we consume to actively learn things? I don't, but my brother watches a lot of food documentaries from yeah? Netflix that he tells me about all, like all the time. But I mean, I can watch food documentaries on Netflix, but I'm not going to be making Jiro style sushi at home. I thought <laughs> the only thing that the only TV show that I watch and feel like I actively learn things from is the Great British Baking Show, or the Great British Bake Off, if you prefer. Not that I'm replicating the complicated things they're making on the Great British Bake Off, but I feel like almost every week I learn something on that show that I didn't know before that I can apply to whatever muffins I'm making at home or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the only thing I could think of that like taught me something without being overtly preachy did you cast a gritty hbo reboot i came up with brian cranston would be a good alex grand because he's a great villain yeah 
Walter um, White from Breaking Bad, and he's on a Amazon show called Sneaky Pete, where he plays like a gambling boss. Are you liking that show? Because Kevin just started watching it without me, and I don't know whether I should be pissed off. I do like it. Yeah, I like it. Well, now I have to watch Nobody's on TV Land. TV Land isn't the network that has Younger on it, is it? Yeah, it is. I really like that show. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> that is a show that, like, I know what night it's on, and I'm excited for TV that night because I'm going to watch Younger. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that I have friends that, like, text me to be like, oh, my God, did you watch this episode? <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest, it's every bit as absurd as a trio of children traipsing through the seven food kingdoms to rediscover neutral powers that a 41-year-old woman that would be would be convincingly masquerading as a 26-year-old in Manhattan. It is, although Sutton Foster pulls off those outfits like no other 41-year-old could, I think. And every week they just make them weirder and weirder and yeah. less work appropriate. I know you're supposed to be 26 and you work in publishing, but come on. All right, that was kind of a tangent. So here's my thought on a gritty reboot, okay? Okay. So, um... We've talked about comic book movies, and we've talked about the DC versus Marvel split. Mm -hmm. So see if you can follow me here. DC has not been doing so well with their comic book movies. So they have Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. And the big dig on them is that they've made these movies far too dark. So I'm thinking, okay, this isn't working out. Let's just transition these same actors and the same director and the same style to an HBO Nutra Ventures show. And we can easily cast Henry Cavill, who plays Superman, as Theo. We can have Ben Affleck being Ben, <laughs> the sidekick that loves to eat. We can have Gal Gadot being Lena. And then Amy Adams can play the little sister Nina because she has those huge childlike eyes. It would be perfect. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You're good at this. Oh, thanks. Jeez. That's good. <laughs> would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I know the answer. No. 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 <laughs> Never. No. I can't believe that I wasted an hour of my precious alone time watching this already. <laughs> I know. And I did look up the Common Sense Media review, and it gives it a good review for nonviolence and educational value. And I just question whether they actually watched it because it is a little violent. There's language like stupid and idiot, and I it's rated for kids over seven, but I still wasn't thrilled with that. And then it's just blatantly racist. Yeah. I mean, I would guess that they just didn't make it that far along in the series before they gave yeah. it. Yeah. Obviously, we don't really need 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. We both kind of give it a thumbs down. Yeah. Mamas, don't let your kids watch Nutri Ventures. Yeah. I mean. It's bad. I have not explored the other television content available attempting to teach children how to eat healthily, but I have to imagine There's gotta that. There's got to be a Daniel yeah. Tiger episode yeah. that covers it. Mm-hmm. All right, ratings. Zero. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I have to give it at least a one because I like their mission statement. I think like they 
at least came at it with like a good idea and it just fell utterly flat in execution so one for me don't watch it guys don't watch it still don't watch it well thank you for listening to this episode of it's my screen time too please rate and review us on apple podcasts tweet us with show or movie suggestions at at my screen time too and you can also find us on facebook at at my screen time too so tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and tv beloved by kids and tolerated by parents bye bye